You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. On this episode of Animation Deliberation, we are talking about What If Season 1, Episode 9. It has a name. Oh my god, what is the name of the episode? What if the Watcher broke his oath? Yeah, what he said. Right after these ads, he had no control over. One, two, three, four. It's animation, deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of a favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Animation Deliberation. I am your host, Suhair Ali. Jay Scotty once more has been called for the Watcher. Um, I just stopped asking what he's doing at this point. But <laughs> returning is our friend Andrew, who is a animation enthusiast, as I saw in the title of the episode that he came on last time. And I think that's a much better word than fanatic. Welcome back, Andrew. Well, thank you. I appreciate the rotating titles. Um, I know it'll never <laughs> live up to Jay Scotty's titles that he has off with the Watcher there, but... <laughs> Which I'll apparently to... seems to evolve every week, so we don't even know what this week's title is. I'm just going to let him grant himself that when he gets back. At this point, I think he just might be a Watcher. He's just getting promoted all the way to the top of the ranks here. Ooh. So, like, when we see his eyes in the horizon, does he actually have glasses over them? <laughs> Now that's a site I would like to see another t-shirt idea for you. Just Jay Scotty as the watcher. They got to give the goatee too. Oh yes. The full. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, welcome back. Um, Andrew got to come back on to fill in for me last time because I am very behind and haven't seen all of star Wars visions yet. So if you guys want the instant reaction for that, make sure you check it out. I'm sure he did a great job. Um, Hopefully I won't need to take that back after I see it and actually listen to the episode. But from my understanding, he did a great job. So uh, be sure to check that out. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll have some of some more in-depth uh, thoughts of that once I get around to watching it because I'm behind. Yeah, I mean, it's a great show and we actually went fairly in-depth. I would call it more of a overview than an instant reaction. We went for a good hour and a half there just about Star Wars. Oh, jeez. Yeah, we we did the whole thing. So, I got three episodes in. It's been it's been entertaining so far. Sneak yeah, peek I mean, number one, still my favorite out of the three. Out of the first three, that sounds about right. Yeah, cool. All right, so let's flip to the the other end than Disney animation, which is what if this is the last episode of season one? Uh, we finally had like our first set of cohesive episodes. Uh, I like to think of it as this was the animated rushed equivalent of phase one of the MCU where everybody kind of got their own stories to kind of develop some character, develop some scenarios, set up the scene. And then these last two episodes really put it all together where these characters don't necessarily need to interact with each other at all in the future. But the option to expand their stories is definitely there as well. What were your thoughts on uh, this episode and kind of the whole scenario as a whole? 
Yeah, I thought it was really good, a uh, great way to bring the characters together, and I was not expecting um, for them mm-hmm. to connect every single one of the episodes. I assumed it was just a normal anthology series. We were going to go week to week, and nothing was going to connect. So it was awesome to, like you said, kind of cap it off with a little Phase 1 Avengers style, or I guess Guardians of the Multiverse style um, big fight movie. My headcanon of the whole show now at this point is just the Watcher wanted to tell the story of the Gar- Guardians of the Multiverse, but before he could do that, he had to tell all of these individual stories to us, which was why mm-hmm. he was doing it from a storyteller perspective at first, and then it became first person at the end. It was him kind of being our narrator of this entire, you know, multiversal event, and I thought it was really well done. Um, they they put a nice bow on it in the Marvel fashion. I wouldn't trust a lot of other shows to have, you know, taken their anthology and made it perfectly continuitous, but Marvel does good. In Feige, we trust. You know, I thought it was interesting. I was actually taking a peek at the credits. I didn't think I saw Feige's name in it. I believe he's been in the credits on every episode at the beginning. I know it says executive producer Kevin Feige in the opening crawl, but I don't know I how much of a hand it. he actually had in it or not. Yeah, I was kind of glancing through, and when I saw a producer, I was like, okay, Feige's name's about to pop up, and I thought it was something else. But again, I could have just uh, missed it. So when I was talking to Jay Scotty about this yesterday, just chatting, I came to the conclusion that I liked episode 8 more than 9, for the same reason that I like Infinity War more than Endgame. Because okay. of the nature of Infinity War where it's like I'm not sure how many people saw that ending coming of like the heroes losing. And I feel like that was kind of the same vibe that I got that I wasn't expecting to watch an episode thinking that the Watcher was going to get infiltrated and he's actually going to like need another episode to like fix this because everything else had been leaving us with cliffhangers, right? Which we got a lot of continuations to those cliffhangers too in this episode, which I thought was interesting. But as much as I loved this episode, the action and everything was insane. I felt the stakes were higher in episode eight. Uh, but overall, like that, like the episodes coming together and everything was really cool and really well done. Yeah, I agree with what you were saying. Um, I, I think you and I are in a very similar boat of we are people that enjoy finales that are you know, characters talking to each other as opposed to characters fighting one another. So Hmm. Infinity War has similar stakes as does like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They didn't have big fights. They had big stakes that had to be talked through and understood. And I can kind of agree that um, I did not see it coming that the Watcher was going to pop back into uh, Doctor Strange's bubble of universe there at the end and say, okay, I need your help. That was really awesome. Um, I like to kind of lump these two episodes together in my head. It almost just feels like a final movie, so to speak. They just have yeah. one continuous hour of first act, first act of the arc is the rise of Ultron. Second act is the fall of Owatu. And third act is the Guardians working with um, Owatu to mm-hmm. finish off the final battle. That's kind of how I would like to think of it. Because you need all of those parts together. They don't really work on their own as much. Yeah, I thought it was really I was really fascinated with the dialogue at the end that Doctor Strange realized that 
Owatu actually saw that ending. He knew that they were going to end back up in that mirror dimension. I was like, he knew he was going to enter. Because that's what threw me off in the last episode was the dialogue saying that he knew what was going to happen. So that was kind of like my con of the episode that because I thought he was just like a silent note taker, right? Yes. Um, but then I was like, how do you know what's going to happen? But you didn't see this coming. Then I was like, oh, you did see it coming. And it actually was like you like you knew that you had to. I'm really weird when it comes to time travel and multiverse stuff. But yeah, that, yes. that dialogue to kind of tie it back in was just kind of like interesting. Very yeah, interesting. It felt very much like Doctor Strange's plan in Infinity War and Endgame of he looked at all the timelines and said, here's what has to happen for us to win. I feel like Awatu did a similar thing, and that's why he had this specific team of heroes, why he didn't need any of our 616 or MCU timeline, whatever you want to call them, heroes. He needed these ones specifically because he needed Killmonger to betray them. He needed Thor to shoot stupid lightning and shout a lot he needed all of those things to fall directly into place in the way that they did so it felt very similar to the you know end game there's only one way this happens and i can't tell you or it's not going to happen i'm glad you brought up uh killmonger because he was kind of the biggest head scratcher for me of like why he was relevant and i guess you did kind of just sum it up and kind of cleared that up for me that's like if he wasn't there to contest zola then zola probably would have taken over and they would have been in the same boat all over again of an of a freaky android having all of the stones is, was that your understanding of it yeah that's kind of what i assumed is everyone had a part to play and th- that's exactly what killmongers was is he knew that he was going to take the vibranium head try and get the nanobots try and get the stones and do do as killmonger always does and be in the highest position of power and without that we wouldn't have had that amazingly animated scene of them fighting over the stones kind of harry potter style with the colors yeah. <laughs> um so yeah that that was basically his whole purpose was he needs someone to trap them in the sphere because if you just trap some i'm guessing if you just trapped killmonger alone with the stones he would break out because he has enough power to go through multiverses in the same way that ultron did so you need this contesting of no one permanently owns the stones. It's between two powers. Yeah. A sphere and a sphere in an empty universe. It's a pretty crappy place to be stuck in. Yeah. Now Did you see Strange that meme of, um, it just had a, it had a picture of this per- perfect Ultron that just said, like, you watch what if and realize like how, uh how humble or how generous like thanos actually was yes i did actually see that and i was gonna bring it up it's an amazing thing to think thanos was actually kind of being nice when he talks about this was my only plan was to take out half the universe he could have done so much more than that like it's like hey i'm content this is all i wanted i'm just gonna blow him up and just live my farm life i'm happy yeah he could have literally just blown up the universe he said no i'm gonna use the powers for quote unquote good and then Ultron just decimates everything. Is like, I'm bored. Give me something to do. Genocide isn't as fun as it looks. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> um, I did not expect to enjoy the Captain Carter 
wow, I cannot speak today. I did not <laughs> expect to enjoy the Captain Carter Black Widow relationship as much as I did. And the fact that both of them got to go wild with their shields was so much fun to watch, especially oh, like when one moment. was going high, one was going low, and then both of them like bashed into him. Like, don't yes. give him a second to think. Oh, like, whoa. I did a lot of squealing happily during this episode in the same way that I did, you know, in the theater during Infinity War and Endgame of just like, wait, this is actually happening. This is awesome. The shield bashing was one of them. You know, the entirety of the, again, Thor shouting and shooting lightning was great when <laughs> zombie Wanda just showed up. Like, yes, I, I thought was she was dangerous. underutilized. I thought she was yes. underutilized. I wanted to see her actually destroy one of the stones and then uh star lord come in and steal the other one you know like slowly start picking them off yeah i mean sticky fingers so when she just work. went and her hair just dropped i was like no come on uh that was they, they did a lot of it felt like fan service but it was fun fan service like i yeah. was just excited and here for all of it but on the topic of you talking about the black widow and uh captain carter relationship that opening being the lumerian star and her taking the steps of uh captain america the winter soldier the movie not the tv show um them taking those first steps was just awesome and building this character yeah. to be more of what i want to see giving her the grayed out stealth suit and then them poking fun of oh do you want to date someone in the same way that she was poking yeah. fun cap it was uh, it was beautiful all the way through it was so that's that's my favorite movie in the MCU. Are, are you and I just the same, Zuhair? <laughs> Seems like it. Because that is also, I would argue, my favorite movie of uh, all of the MCU as well. Yeah, so that's my favorite. And when it started off, it was just kind of like, all right, we're going to put this fantastic scene in. We don't need to give you the action scene afterwards. But because we love you, we're going to animate a fantastic fight sequence with Captain Carter. Oh, yeah. And I loved every second of it just as much as I loved that infiltration scene from the movie itself. And it was so good. The only con was that Batroc did not need to talk at all. And him just going, ooh, or I'm too fast. And just little comments like that. I'm like, shut up. Like, please just kick him in the jar or something right now so he stops talking. <laughs> uh, so those little comments were just kind of annoying me. But then the whole, like, made you look concept just cracked oh. me up, too. She just like, what, are you scared? It's like, no, like turn around and you see on Batrock's face like I'm not gonna fall for that. I'm not turning around to look at the giant baby in the sky. I really wanted him to fall for it though. That would have just been <laughs> the extra little bit. Um I think the reason that he talked though is because they brought um I I do not know how to pronounce his first name, but Saint Pierre, the actual actor, back to voice him. So Well that bothers me because in both of his appearances he spoke french why would he be speaking english in this like just have him speak french again didn't he speak english in falcon and the winter soldier did he i thought he was yelling on the phone in french a couple times he, i mean he spoke both and uh the gentleman is french which is why i don't know how to pronounce his first name i i'm guessing it's not george as it's spelled <laughs> um it is george with a french accent and i didn't want to offensively do that either <laughs> which is why I'm... All right, well, I'll take the heat for it. I know that was an awful accent. <laughs> oh, that was an attempt at a French accent? Moving on. <laughs> Just gonna that wasn't a joke, here. I'm sorry. Uh, 
Anyhow. Anyways, love that whole action sequence. Uh, oh, I got so just, I got so into it that I didn't even think that she was talking about the Watcher, like, hovering over and all that. But it was cool how he was step-by-step uh, step interacting with everyone until he got to Thor, which is like, hey, calm down. Listen to me. <laughs> yeah, shh, buddy, buddy, stop. It's just a child. Like, come on, come Thor on, just, buddy. Ah! Until he goes into the pub and he's still yelling. And that was the mirror of the scene in um, Ragnarok where he's going through the Willy Wonka tunnel to yeah. your imagination and just ends up yelling in front of the whole crowd of people. It was the exact same th- cutaway. I but then it. when it stopped, he was just like, oh, I'm in a pub. Like, he's just so happy. Yeah, he was, and he got ale and beer, and he continued to and do me. the classic Thor, I'm done with a drink, let me throw my cup down from yeah. the first movie. And we uh, got the Doctor Strange, like, just making a beer come up out of nowhere. Yep, I, I was disappointed it didn't keep refilling. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for, just, ooh. But they probably Are needed you- him to, like keep up with the conversation a little bit and for the longest time or the longest time being however long it's been since the trailer for this first came out i was like what is it about him that doesn't look like our thor and it was the lack of facial hair i don't know why it just connected with me today i was like oh, oh my you are beard right. in this one like his yeah. armor is different but he doesn't have a beard either i was like that's what it was how did we not notice this that's... Especially in Endgame, like one of the highlights was the braided beard, and then I was like, "Oh, there's just no beard at there's all." Just no beard at all. Yeah, because I was almost gonna say he's got like a pointed chin and a long face. It's because we don't usually see his chin. <laughs> I don't know if it's because he's like less mature than Arthur or whatnot. They just like gave him more of a baby face. Yeah, I mean that that could very well be it, or maybe the beard doesn't smell like lavender, so he had to shave it off. <laughs> I had a date. I was going to shower. (laughs) (laughs) That line. (laughs) So Um, specific. (laughs) uh, We just now have fun Thor. Since Ragnarok, they said we're going to have as much fun as we can with this character, and it's great. I guess he typically smells like ass, Guardian. I love the second of processing it took you. <laughs> what, like, what do I do in that moment? <laughs> I, like, are you going to have to bleep that out? Am I going to be laughing at nothing? What's, what's no, no, I'm keeping as is. We're keeping it in? Okay. I keeping like it. it in. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do not bleep out a good play on words. Hey, I don't think you should be bleeping out any of our great jokes. I don't. I don't know what to tell you quote-unquote great jokes we're having fun but i think if you take out like after lots of thinking i think if you take out these last two episodes the thor episode may actually be my favorite overall yes um i definitely think these two episodes brought the show to great heights um, a little behind the scenes, as soon as I finished the finale, I texted Zuhair and said, okay, now I want to know what you think about this show as a whole in comparison to the others. Because I think as an anthology, it's it's okay. You enjoy some episodes, you don't. I think with this uh, culmination of a finale putting it all together, it brings this show to really new heights. Um, but I agree, without it, the Thor episode is up there. Personally, um, I might put the T'Challa Star-Lord episode above that. I did really, 
enjoy that one. That one was fun. And you can't beat the classic Captain Carter. Um, might be hindsight bias because that was the first podcast I got to be on as well. So, of course, I'm going to be excited about that one. <laughs> and it's also, I talked to Jay Scotty about this, about how each, it's hard to set a favorite episode because each episode hits a different genre. Yes, yes. You so it's like it's like somebody presenting your favorite horror movie and your favorite comedy and saying, like, which one's better? Like, it's hard to say that because it, it really is apples and oranges. And there really aren't too many of these episodes that fit that same genre, per se. So I think, I mean, I think uh, I love the Star-Lord episode and that was my favorite. But I think there's like timing involved too where we had the star lord episode and then three just super depressing episodes and then thor coming in with that uh comedic vibe yes that pick so i may need to watch i may need to watch both of those together and then decide which one i like more yeah yeah and you bring up a good point with the um you know sadness of some of the episodes that arguably one of the best episodes from a storytelling perspective is the Doctor Strange episode. Mm -hmm. I just can't foresee myself watching that a bunch of times and calling it my favorite because it's so heavy every single time that you have to watch, you know, Christine go through a dozen lives. It just weighs on you. So I can't, oh, this is my favorite. I would watch it a bunch because it's a lot to sit with. So I agree not comparing them is almost better than comparing them for that exact reason of, if you want to watch something sad, then I could give you my favorite sad episode. If you want something funny, I could give you my favorite funny episode. But they are yeah. hitting such different notes. Like the zombies one is just this little ether of horror sitting in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the one scene in this episode where the watcher just popped up in the dark pub. Like, ha, I got you. Yeah, the light flicker and he's just there. And of course, he has to be like huge, too. It's not like he's like leveling with them. Yeah, to be it's bigger like, no. than Captain Carter is big. Yeah. I liked her little dialogue um when who was it that said that Doctor Strange Captain... saying that he has Captain yeah, America. Yeah, that there actually was a Captain America and she was like, Ooh, I like to see that. It's like all of us enjoy seeing it. You truly are missing <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've talked at length how much we all, myself included, would like to see the live action Captain Carter. Yeah, for those exact reasons of it's a possible sight to see. I want to see Haley Atwell do it justice, even if it's like a little glimpse within Multiverse of Madness or something, where they just like pop into a universe and she's just there in the suit. Which I do like the like Captain America's like stealth suit from Winter Soldier is probably yep. like my favorite suit of his too. So the fact that they actually like took that design onto her outfit as well was really cool. Yeah, it was. It's. I I, I want to see where this keeps going because we know that we have Captain Carter um, appearing in season two by all reports that we've gotten. So hopefully we're going to get more of our favorite scenes from that movie. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about the post credit scene now, but I have you mentioned it. Why not? So I'm thinking that's going to be our direct link to season two right there is. Um, yeah. I don't think it's uh, going to be the Steve that we know and love in uh, the inside the crate. I, okay. I guess, I'm guessing it's going to be Winter Steve or the Shield Stomper, or basically that's going to be her adversary in the Winter Soldier story that they're trying to tell, is 
they had to put someone put Steve on ice, brainwashed him, and sent him to the future. Because he's got to be on ice in some capacity if he's younger. So why not just yeah. make him the adversary and let those two have to throw down and her have to be like, you know, but I loved you as opposed to you were my best friend. I could almost see the the comic book run. Uh, I think it was around like Civil War 2 where Steve Rogers was like a double agent. And he actually was like Captain Hydra. Yes. Um, I don't know a whole lot about comics, but I remember that being huge in the headlines of so many Steve's memes. Evil. So many memes off of that one. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was I, what made me go like, okay, what's going on here? Uh, so I had to look into it a little bit, but it was like, yeah, Steve Rogers was, you know, working with shield and he was an Avenger and this and that, but it turns out he actually was a Hydra agent. And he yeah. was brainwashed at some point. So something like that would be cool where it's like he gets close to Peggy again, kind of infiltrates the government a little bit, and then just like wreaks havoc from there, from the inside. Yeah, because I mean, in that universe, arguably Hydra should have died when Red Skull got swallowed up by the tentacle monster. So someone's <laughs> got to keep on the legacy and perhaps yeah. they brainwashed Steve to do it. That that would be interesting, but I'm I have high hopes that we get more of uh, Agent Carter, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they just did an Agent Carter show. Or a Captain Carter show at this point. Yes, Captain Carter. Um, No, I don't think it would be the worst idea. I think her and Doctor Strange have probably gotten the most love from the fan base, myself included, yeah. as for all of the characters. I think I actually saw an interview where they said there was talks of a t'challa star lord show possibly having uh happened but obviously that's sadly no longer going to be in the cards but they were talking about doing spinoffs already so there is a chance yeah because i feel like they they'd had their reserves about casting a voice actor for him um the the murder mystery episode kind of like reached its conclusion sure you could do something else with zombies but how much more um and then yeah you could party in other parts of the world instead of just vegas but <laughs> overall i feel like that was that is that is the story that kind of set up more possibilities for future stories when it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. You're invited to explore Cypress Swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Yeah, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. It's what happens when you ask a question such as, what if? That is true. Yeah, and I guess... Uh, this is also a good time to segue as we talk about what else is on the horizon into my probably one negative of the show, or rather this episode, was the stunted shoehorn of uh, Gamora. Yeah, what was up with the whole, like, 
skipping an episode thing. So I don't I don't believe this has been a hundred percent confirmed. Um, I know there's an interview with the creator or writer of the show, Brad Winderbaum, I believe is his name. Um, that said, due to COVID restrictions, they had to cut this from ten episodes to nine episodes, and one episode had to be pushed to season two. And he even teased it was going to be a little bit happier for Tony Stark because there was a lot of backlash that uh, Tony Stark was the we killed Kenny of this show of they just kind of <laughs> kept killing him off. So he was like, we had another episode planned where Tony was a big part of it, but we had to push it to season two. I'm guessing that was this episode with Tony Stark and Gamora alongside each other that they had to push off. But at the same time, she was still a part of the finale, so they still had to include her part of the story. So yeah. it just felt it felt a little weird to just throw her in there and say, yep, she's a part of this now. You should already know what this stone crusher is and all of the other things that were important about her story. It's going to feel really weird to see it in season two, but I believe we're going to at least get some explanation later, which I am excited to know why we have Gamora teaming up with Hulkbuster Tony Stark in space with an Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, I love the um, the war paint that was all over that Hulkbuster too, and it was a very determined Tony Stark too, like a ready to fight, like let's get at it. Like that, that's probably been like something. the the most no bullshit Tony that we've seen so far. And of course, when they got a couple seconds of it, I was like, no, because Gamora didn't even have that much dialogue. And her Infinity Stone Crusher reminded me of the uh, the chest cannon that Star-Lord had in the first Guardians. That they shot the Power Stone with. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah so it reminded me of that. But like that didn't work either. Like it didn't actually destroy the stone. It just pissed Ronan off even more. So I was like, oh, that was a good callback to that. Yeah. And I think. Also, when he was, uh, when the Watcher was giving the introductions, it was Slayer of Thanos was what he called. I think it was Gamora Slayer of Thanos or something along those something lines, which that. has some implications to it. That Thanos is not the big bad in uh, Phase Four, as we're learning. Yeah, it's a pretty sick title. Yeah, yeah, Thanos has been taken down pretty easily in all these uh, renditions of him in the show. He gets sliced in half. He gets turned into a zombie. Gets yeah, killed like, by his daughter. He really is just a big softy. Yeah. There's only one universe where he's just a savage warrior. And it happens to be ours. Yep. Oh, sacred timeline. Uh, yeah. I mean, the sacred timeline is definitely gone now that we, we've seen so much of this. And they have definitely made an effort to show how canon this can be. So yeah, I'm excited, and I stand by it. I watched Shang Chi in theaters for the third time the other day, and all I could think about was that every time there was a transition scene, I want to see a live action Owatu silhouette just in the horizon. Yeah, and I I know just that the no where's one... Waldo with Owatu? <laughs> yes. Where's Watcher? I I know no one could ever live up to Stan Lee. But we're obviously going to not have Stan Lee cameos anymore. Why don't we just throw in some Watcher cameos and have him be our new little if-you-know-you-know you know thing for the Marvel fans sitting in the theater? Yeah, because in the... Was it Guardians 2? Where they were, like, speed-traveling through the galaxy and Stan Lee was talking to three Watchers? Like, decent amount of fans knew it. It's like, oh, shit, those are Watchers. Yeah. that That is definitely something 
that like we knew what was going on before we ever saw Owatu and got the wonderful Jeffrey Wright to voice him. So now that we have someone already cast, let's let's do it. I need right. it. It was so beautifully. You don't even need any dialogue. It was so beautifully done. Where it was like just the eyes, and you see just a little line of the head and a little bit of the cape, and him just kind of like peering over. That's all yeah. you need. For sure. I know a lot of people wanted uh, Deadpool cameos every movie where just in the middle of the film, he just starts talking to the audience. It was like, nah, I wasn't a fan of that. I like this a lot more. Yeah, oh, yeah. Speak of Deadpool, I was almost surprised that they did not use What If as a time to animate in a couple characters that we've recently acquired just to just to kind of give us a little litmus test somewhere, whether it was Storm or Wolverine or someone just to kind of be a new addition to the marvel universe i'm a bit galactus was pretty awesome well the galactus nod because i I feel like that's more of a callback than it actually being galactus because it was still um it was still ultron vision in that scene correct me if i'm wrong i thought that was actually galactus like they went into a universe and galactus was like taking a chomp out of a galaxy and they disappeared before he did no, I thought that was uh, Ultron Vision maximizing his size and taking a chomp out of it. But with the headpiece and the mandibles, it looked like um, Galactus. Huh. Because if that was Galactus, I think I, w- I already kind of freaked out because um, I have experience with Galactus from, you know, the different video games and animated series that he has been a part of. And I'm just kind of waiting to get that on-screen appearance. I think Galactus will be fantastic to see once that reaches the MCU. But I don't, I don't believe oh, that I it think was. you're right. Well, there you go, crushing my hopes and dreams once more in another episode. <sighs> it's what I do all too well. I don't know why you keep bringing me back here. <laughs> I, I guess it's for... better than me. <laughs> you know, besides the Easter eggs and the eagle-eyed things that I apparently notice, such as that. Boo. I know, I know. <laughs> Man, it looks a lot like him, but I see the I see the mindstone up top. Yeah. This, this does... voice actor did a really good job at his James Spader impression. Like I feel like obviously his voice would have been a lot better, but it, it did a really good impression. Yes, Ross Marquand, um he d- he does a fantastic job in almost everything he does. He was our Red Skull in uh, the Captain Carter episode, as well as in Infinity War. He's done plenty of voice acting um, for Red Skull and Ultron, actually, in a number of the Marvel video games. So hmm. he, he was pretty in his element when he did it. And I, I feel like this episode was his best coming of uh, the Ultron voice. It felt a little bit more off in episode eight, and I feel like he really got it better um, in hmm. episode nine here. Good for him. Yeah. Besides that, I think most of the cast of this episode was the original cast, though. Yeah, I feel like in the opening sequence, like, the names, they try to have it one at a time. I feel like it was going by so much faster just because they're trying to get so many in. Uh, Frank Grillo was his role. You said um, Batroc had the original voice. Yes. Oh, um, um, it was Cynthia K. McWilliams as Gamora. That was not um, I can't remember her name. Zoe Saldano. Zoe Saldano. Thank you. And Lake Bell um, repri- reprised her 
role as um, Black Widow. And fantastic job. I she, love her version the of it. She, she adds so much more emotion to the character, you know? Yes, it's so sassy and perfect. And, you know, the double call out of I have the sword or I have the shield, you have the sword and her having yeah. some sassy remark, whether, well, it's an arrow or knives. Yeah. We like wordplay here. You know, it was she she just had the perfect sass that I could see Black Widow needing. And yeah. there was the really um, I it wasn't on purpose necessarily in my head. But I really liked the scene right at the end where they dropped Widow in the new universe to give her a fresh mm-hmm. life. And um, Fury had the line, you're not my Widow, but it feels like you have her spirit. It yeah. felt very, we don't have uh, Scarlett Johansson, but you have the spirit of Scarlett Johansson. You brought spirit yeah. to this character. Uh, again, not necessarily intentional, but was just, it was a really nice scene. No, I really, I like that. I like that. And you got to see uh, Captain America and Captain Marvel as kind of like the only two Avengers just doing their thing. Yeah, that was another one of those. I did not expect all of the eight episodes to be involved, but yeah. they still found a way to bring in that little uh, world where the Avengers fell. and just Yeah, because I was like, oh, I guess they're not going to tie in like zombies in episode three. Those are pretty good standalone things. And then they just dumped, literally dumped a bunch of zombies on them. <laughs> And just tied it up with the perfect bow by throwing in episode three. And I'm like, well done, Marvel. And and that's exactly why I said Marvel does it better than I think a lot of other people can do with anthology series. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I kind of want to know the ramifications of the Watcher dropping her in another universe, though. He seemed very against too much meddling, but already just, I mean... He already broke his oath once. What's a couple more times of breaking the oath, I guess? Yeah. He probably just trusts that she's the perfect spy. and can just be like, no, I survived all along. I was just faking it to do this and do that and lure him and blah, blah, blah. You know, spy yeah, things. That is true. On that note, I was actually surprised that there was not a Men in Black style mind wipe before he sent Yeah, I was expecting universes. that too. Yeah, it felt like he was going to say like we can't let this get out that i exist and that the multiverse exists and that you guys can transcend universes so we're gonna do a little mind wipe you guys won't remember this it didn't technically happen which is how a lot of shows usually get away with i don't want to say sloppy continuity but continuity that's all over the place like that and no they trusted that these characters were going to go back and just keep living their lives because then how do you explain the the universe with Killmonger because they just broke into the palace to try to arrest him and try him or whatever. It's like now he just doesn't exist there anymore. He just disappeared. I mean, I'm going to say that that universe is probably better off for it. Yeah. But (laughs) there probably will be a manhunt and some confusion for a while, but yeah, there, there definitely are ramifications to the watcher interfering and, We've broken the multiverse up how many times in Phase Four? Let's just let's just keep yeah. hammering away. As long as there's sacred timelines, okay. Uh, do you think that he killed T'Chaka? Because at the beginning, when Pepper and Shuri were about to break in, he was just standing over the broken throne. I didn't want to think about that. Um... Kind of crossed my mind right away. I no, can't return I... the favor of just breaking your brain. <laughs> If I had to guess, I'm going to say that the answer is yes, just because it seems like 
Shuri let the secret out, and knowing to King T'Chaka, he's going to try and probably peacefully arrest Killmonger for his crimes, and when he inevitably doesn't go peacefully, Killmonger's gonna do what Killmonger does, and take out the highest point of power so he can keep rising. And that was a full war zone that we saw with military helicopters and everything flying around, so... yeah. Unfortunately, I think Killmonger just continued on his rampage. Pepper going to war with a uh, a skirt and blazer and heels, and then this giant like cannon of a gun was like you had no time to change on that flight. Nope, not, not <laughs> none. <at all. laughs> Is that your vibranium pantsuit? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you honestly think that Shuri would have outfit her, or honestly, I feel like they could have just also given us... Oh no, I guess she couldn't have been rescued, because there were no suits. Yeah, because there was never an Iron Man. There was never an Iron Man, but I feel like Shuri could have done something. It was cool that he was the one to be able to hack into the Ultron droid, because he had his project of wanting like a hive mind droid that blanketed the world or whatever and he was like oh hey i'm familiar with this concept i absolutely love this version of killmonger almost more than um the first version so i didn't i wasn't here for that episode but i will say the episode of killmonger versus tony stark i was full nerding out the entire time and i loved it um for those of you who don't know my background is i am a mechanical engineer and I remember when the first Iron Man came out, me and all of my friends, like, your goal in life was to just be Tony Stark. Like, you wanted to have that tech. You wanted to have fancy holographic screens that you can, you know, crinkle up like paper and throw into a bin like he did in (laughs) Iron Man 2. Like, that was our dream. So getting to see this version of Killmonger that went to MIT, that likes anime, that just brought back all of these techie iron man vibes i absolutely loved so this version that is smart enough to hack into ultron like i absolutely adore him so much and yeah it it was some nice continuity that they said yeah this is a slightly smarter version so he can do all of these cool things like this yeah and of course the music for him was on point every time he came up and you beat me to it that's exactly what i was gonna say is his music is just The, the music in Black Panther in general is arguably the best soundtrack in the MCU. And arguably. Any time that they layer it in, in is just wonderful. Um, arguably, however, I want to know what your answer is, though. No, there's just a couple ones that were pretty oh, up okay. there. Like, no, it's not like it's not like I have a clear up top. Um, I really like the, the music in Iron Man 3. Uh, I like Shang-Chi's music. Black Panthers was amazing. Okay, yeah, no. I, I, I'm, I'm still, like, super annoyed that, like, the perfect, like, depressing piano tone Avengers theme song that was in the Black Widow trailers, like, never made its way to the movie. Yes. Like, I was... feel like the soundtrack in the trailers were much better than, like, what we actually got in the film. And I was like, wait, I didn't get any of this music. I've been, like, anxiously waiting to download some of this stuff and, like, just <laughs> never happened. Yeah, I mean, that's my one and only con with the MCU in general, is their music is a bit all over the place in terms of themes and stuff like that. And they play the main Avengers theme way too many times, in my opinion, but I digress. Um, It's funny you say that, because I was excited to hear it on the Helicarrier scene. It it was exciting, but it's like you watch back um, like Endgame and how many times they play that main theme 
it's just oh yeah it was like on loop that yeah, last fight scene is like okay it ended loop it back over <laughs> it's it's like think about playing the opening star wars fanfare every time something happens in star wars it would get yeah. a little redundant that's kind of how i've started to feel about the main avengers theme but they're getting better at diversifying and like you said it made an amazing scene out of the helicarrier scene of you know the bar is only a metaphor anyway or the yeah. door is only a metaphor that felt like a that weird a callback scene. to Westworld, if you've ever seen that, because there's a whole thing oh. with Jeffrey Wright in Westworld and the door, where the door is a metaphor, because I had no other way of understanding why the door was a metaphor besides that. Nope. That's okay. over my head. Well, someone out there is shaking their head yes at me, I hope. I still don't know what my number three spot is. It's still Falcon and the Winter Soldier... WandaVision, and then I'm kind of juggling between What If and Loki taking number three. Okay, I I feel that. Um, my number one is still WandaVision, and then the other three I think are in a toss up. I I agree. Um, I I if I had to do it right now, it's WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, What If, and Loki. I think is my order. Okay. That said, because I know there's a lot of people who absolutely adore Loki, I think Loki has the single best episode out of any of the shows that we've seen, period, because that final episode was just perfection, in my opinion. Yeah. But all of Loki's appearances in What If were all gold as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, where do I you think put they it? Just, <laughs> they let the voice actors just go nuts. Like, Thor, yeah, it's like just be you. Chris Hemsworth... I have to imagine he had so much fun in the booth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the too long Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> I've never heard that battle cry before. <laughs> it, it, it what do I attract on unwanted attention? He's quite good at that. <laughs> Vision's big head. It's like, there, yeah, there is life on this universe. <laughs> So much for preparing. I, I was honestly waiting for a joke when he said there's apparently not enough intelligent life for them to just look at Thor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Specifically showing the science tattoo, too. The science. I love that they left that on him because that's the weirdest thing that they animated. It looks like a sticker that they just so threw bad. on their drawing. It's so, so bad. <laughs> Intentionally bad, too. Oh, yeah. You know that they, they were having fun with that. And one thing about this whole show that I have never said that I've meant to say, I absolutely love the concept art at the end of every episode. Oh, yeah. Such a nice homage to what these artists are doing. Concept art in general is one of my favorite things. They started doing that with the end of The Mandalorian, I think was the first Disney Plus show that had the concept art. And I just want concept art for everything now because it always looks so cool and so like just creative out of these people. I want to see what they've done. Um, well, for for every MCU movie, there's like an art of book. So there's an art of Iron Man. There's an art of Endgame. There's an art of Black Panther, and all of them are so beautiful because um, it's Andy Park. Also, follow her on Twitter. Uh, she's the one who does all the concept art for these characters. So when a new movie comes out, like she posts the stuff. It's like I can put it up now. Uh, so she she works for Marvel Studios. She does all the concept art for these characters, and the the work is beautiful. Uh, one of my favorite pieces is probably the concept art for Age of Ultron. Uh, when this, when it's like the zombie droids, like, and they're like in this red pit of like droids attacking them, it's super gorgeous. And I felt like 
Hawkeye falling into the pit of Ultron Joys was kind of like a callback to that art. Uh, so yeah, check out Andy Park. I know there's some other names, but I just I can't pull it at the top of my head. But she does a phenomenal job and really great work. Okay, I am, as Zoo Hair can see, writing that down right now, so I can <laughs> go and follow that. It is that's awesome to know. I appreciate so much of it. I really want a. Um, I know that they've done the behind the scenes. I can't remember. I think it's Marvel Studios Avengers or not Avengers, um, assembled for all of the other live action shows. They've given us a behind the scenes special. I really Mm -hmm. want to see a behind the scenes special of what if, so that we can just know more about the creative process, more about what these writers did, how they came up with the ideas, whether it was comic based or they just threw around questions. And I want to know what their animation methodology was, you know, whether it was, or how much of it was hand-drawn, how much of it was computer generated. Cause I believe they're using different star or different software than what the star Wars clone wars team uses. And I know it's all within Disney. So I want to know why they're doing these things differently and I'm sure most of our listeners, because this is an animation podcast, would enjoy that. So yeah, I just want to see more. And I know there's been little snippets of the voice actors. Like I know there's some video of um now I cannot remember the actor's name for the life of me. Sebastian Stan, um, <laughs> in the booth, just having so much fun playing Bucky again yeah. and shouting and laughing and being like, Oh no, wait, I was supposed to be angry and like having to shake off his voice lines. I want to see more of that for all of these characters. Um, so Disney, if you're listening, give us behind the scenes. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Um, all right. Any last thoughts for what if episode nine? No, I, I think that was it. I think we gave the show a good, uh, good little send off there for now. I don't know if we know when the next season's coming, but yeah, we're definitely not shy of any content. Uh, Young Justice Season 4 is finally coming out this year, so we're going to finish that up. We got the My Hero Academia movie. I think the season just ended, too. Um, some interesting things. It wasn't as mind-blowing as I thought it would be, but it was definitely a fun season, definitely enjoyable. A lot of lot of stuff building in the future. Um, yeah. No, there, there's Demon so Slayer starting back up. Yes, it is. Not that we're going to get to it anytime soon, but I'm trying ever so hard to uh, catch up on Boruto because there's a bunch of spoilers that keep popping up on Facebook. And apparently the story is just getting like berserk. And a lot of like the original characters have like heavy influence on like what's happening right now. So Boruto is basically the Young Justice of anime right now. And I need to get back into it. It is an amazing time to be a superhero fan or just a fan of all of these mediums because i know anime is slightly different it, i'll say it, it's a great time to be a nerd i wear that yeah, with it's a great time to be a universe building show fan yeah i mean it's hard to keep up with because there's a number of live action shows going on right now that i am behind on for sure but it's, it's oh speaking to- of live action um live action universe building the Last James Bond movie is coming out this weekend, and Haley Hobbs, Jay Scotty, and Matt Carroll have been doing coverage of all the Daniel Craig James Bond movie to build up to that on Bingers Assemble. Uh, so go check that out because I need to start 
watching all the James Bond movies just so I could listen to that and watch the last one because I've only seen two of them and they weren't even like one after the other. So uh, if you're a James Bond fan and a supporter of Panda Podcast, check that out. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, thanks to everybody who left five star reviews for the contest. Um, it was super awesome to be able to read through a lot of those. I know some people did it for the contest, but there was a lot who actually like uh, gave some awesome feedback on what they thought about the show. And it was on Jay Scotty's behalf as well. We greatly appreciate all that. And we will be reading through them soon. Yeah, I read through a bunch and you guys were really uh, great and kind for them. I wasn't just reading through them on my behalf. I was reading through them for, to see what you had to say about these guys as well. You're really bored for a student. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything you want to plug? I think I kind of did everything on your behalf. Yeah, you plugged most of it. Um, Like we said at the top of the show, I did get an awesome chance to sit with Jay Scotty and talk about Star Wars Visions. So if you haven't listened to that and have seen Star Wars Visions, um, go have a listen. I would definitely recommend it if you're any sort of a fan of Star Wars or of anime. It has a little bit of something for everyone, and we talk about how it has something for everyone uh, throughout that show. So yeah, give a listen there, and then, like I keep joking, I'll just keep plugging Animation Deliberation, because whenever, you know, whenever Owatu calls, or whatever our excuse is with the next show, I'll probably be making my appearances. I'm not going to invite myself, but I'm going to say hopefully showing up for uh, Young Justice (laughs) at some point. Hint, hint. (laughs) Hint, nudge, you know, whatever it ends up being. But no, I'm excited for Young Justice, and I'm also a listener, so I'm going to be along for the ride along with you guys the whole time. So, All right, well, appreciate you always coming by. Appreciate all the listeners for making the time to listen to us. Tune in next time, and as always, stay whelmed. When it's time for an adventure on the open highway, one quick call to American Family Insurance gets you headed in the right direction. Our travel peace of mind package is there if you encounter a bump in the road. From roadside assistance to rental car coverage, we have you covered. Find a local agent or get a quote at amfam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.